Hello everyone and welcome to my podcast. This is the lid period right now and you're listening to Lydia Jones. I just wanted to start off by saying happy holidays to everyone who's listening to this. Whether you're away, actually on holiday, currently at home or even working on your startup yourself. I just think it's important that everyone does take a break and rest over this period of time. Uh, I'm very happy that you gave me your ears. Um, So what I wanted to do is go back to 2014, a little while ago, and talk about how my story and journey started from dropping out of school at age 15. And this is where I really found myself due to training a lot in the gym. I found that as my personal high and how to deal with the circumstances that I had dealt with in school. And this ended up leading to me creating my first app, which was on iOS, called FitFlash. The idea came to me one day when I was training in the gym. I thought to myself, hey, well, a lot of people are training and I don't know many people my age who are training at the time. Probably shouldn't be, but you know. Um, And I wanted to create a platform where you could meet and interact with people in the same age group who were participating in sports or, as I say, training in the gym themselves. So I set about doing this and I brought on two co-founders who happened to be family, who had their own businesses. And we contacted a local developer who ended up being our lead programmer on the project. And we started development on FitFlash. To give you guys a heads up on what FitFlash actually was, um, FitFlash was a platform that provided a, a comprehensive fitness journal where users were able to set goals and calculate how long it was going to take to achieve those given goals within 34 different sports that we had on the platform. FitFlash was originally created with the, the vision of connecting young individuals within certain sports around common interests and making them talk and interact and breaking the barriers down that other social platforms currently had in place. Now, we started development in November 2014 and development was a tough period due to only having one developer on board who actually took more um, on than he could actually handle at that moment in time with other projects. Uh, So I decided that I would try and learn to code myself try and help out on the project and things were tough because I had to learn so many skills at that given time. I kind of switched roles from social media marketing, content creation, brand, building the brand up and building ambassadors across the world for the brand with limited budget and then I was straight into UI design and then sometimes even programming and push notifications and everything like that. So as being a typical startup founder you sometimes find yourself in these situations where you do have to learn a lot of skills in order to understand if one if the people around you are doing the right thing and two what it takes to be the next good app that people love to use and recommend to their friends so i learned all these different skills and i ended up becoming a better programmer a better designer I improved my public speaking because I was speaking at local gyms and universities and constantly pitching the app over and over. And the one thing that seemed to slow my journey right down that I can always think back to was my age was a barrier. 
Now, I'm pretty sure if you take yourself to San Francisco, you don't have that issue. But here, especially in the northwest of England, we haven't especially got a good thriving tech scene. As much as people like to say we're getting investments, investment is still really hard to achieve here. So this means that people aren't necessarily used to startups, especially tech. And never mind a startup, that CEO was 15, 10 and 16 at the time. This led to many misleading paths with different companies who were trying to bring on board. And people seem to forget that I was at such a young age. And some people took advantage of that in the fact of giving the wrong advice and trying to put the app in different positions. But as being a startup founder, again, there's one thing that you know more than anyone, and that's your company and your vision. And that's one thing that I did seem to really nail into everyone that came on board was this is our vision we want to be a fitness platform that is targeted to young individuals not everyone who has a six-pack but just people who want to meet others with the same interest within a given sport and that's something that i successfully managed to do okay so let's talk about the one thing that we did really well at fifth Lash, and that was getting people to believe in our vision um, and I, I'm a firm believer that if you don't have people believing in your product in its earliest days, it really decreases your chances of success and surviving amongst all the other startups. So the way that I planned to do this was to build a team of brand ambassadors, specifically those people who were most passionate about fitness and not necessarily those who had the greatest six pack or won fitness competitions on stage for being Mr. Muscle, but the everyday people who wanted to be a part of something bigger than themselves, wanted to spread key knowledge within their areas that they knew, and mingle and meet new people. And the way that I first started to build this team was by leveraging the platforms that people use every single day, such as Instagram and Twitter, and literally using the, the advanced search options and finding those influencers that either had between 5,000 and 200,000 followers on their accounts and literally just DMing them and saying, hey, listen, this we're a startup, we've got limited funds right now, but we've got this cool clothing line that we've had made. So we've got some baseball caps and some really good vests and t-shirts that you can wear in the gym. Take some photos and push those onto all your social medias to help with the overall awareness. So along comes me and anyway, we it started working and we ended up with 140 people from places such as Perth, Sydney, Florida, Miami, Amsterdam, London, um, Malta, some really crazy places and some fascinating people with stories came on board. And the one thing that stood out to me is that you don't always need a huge marketing budget to find the right people to represent your brand. And now we live in an age where we're currently sat in this influencer marketing bubble that's only a few years old and is still a young baby in the terms of other forms of marketing. And people say that we have at least 10 years before we're able to see the results of the money that we've actually actually put into that. And I feel like we, the marketing companies that are currently available, especially the influencer marketing companies, they're aiming for the the top 1% or 10% of the overall social media. And, you know, those people are, are searching for the celebrities, the, the vloggers, the bloggers, uh, the, you know, the influencers within sports or within, within humor. 
and the contact in them and they're paying them large sums of money. But what that means is for the people lower down the scale who may not have over 200,000 followers on their Instagram, who may only have 5,000 but have a 45% engagement rate, those people aren't considered. So the way I thought about it was selecting and working with the people who were really, really passionate, who published content that actually made me want to give my time to read or my time to share elsewhere on my own social platforms and making sure that those people were the voice behind our brand. And by doing this, I found out that it really shaped our product in ways that we had never imagined before. And I also found that I didn't burn a hole in my pocket cash-wise and I didn't have to take any loan from any bank or try and raise angel investments to be able to get those 140 people involved. What it did mean is that, you know, the outcomes of this is one, we got brand awareness, two, our social following increased dramatically, three, we had some kind of famous-ish in the kind of nutrition industries people contact us and want to talk about us on their blogs four would be the fact that we had a lot of press mentions especially especially local press mentions which really boosted the overall awareness of fifth flash and how we were a liverpool-based startup at the time and then five would be the obvious obvious outcome of this all was for us to have more users using the app and this is something that drove that engagement and drove that growth um, by diverting people to the app store and then converting. Um, and this is something that I would love to say as my main piece of advice to any startup founder who's just starting off. You need to find a hundred people who really love your product and your vision and they'll do the talking for you. You shouldn't have to pay someone to talk about something because if you don't have to pay them, whether it's you sending them a t-shirt to Malta or whether it's you creating some content for them and you invest in your time in that person so they don't have to go and spend time elsewhere and you can get your product. That's all I've got time for today, guys. But please comment in the comment section. Leave me any feedback or ask me any questions that you'd love answers to. Tomorrow, I'm going to continue on with how far success FitFlash had, um, how we pivoted into other products along the way, and how we ended up on this current journey and also what we have planned for 2018. So I hope you enjoyed some of the, the, the key things that I've shared here tonight. And I would love, and I mean love, if you applauded them or shared them elsewhere to spread the word of my podcast. Thank you for listening.